Hello, and welcome to the Her Head in Films podcast. I'm your host. My name is Caitlin. In this podcast, I share my personal musings on cinema. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know who I am, I'm a writer. I'm a dreamer. I love literature, art, and cinema. And I just really have a mad, burning passion for cinema. And um, it's something that's recently developed. I got very interested in art house and foreign cinema in 2011. Um, and so this podcast is a way for me to talk about the films that I watch, the films that I love, why I love them. And um, the reason that I started the podcast is because I live in a rural area in the South, in the United States. And I don't even have an art house cinema near me. Um, I have like, I have a cinema, but it's uh, mainly the blockbusters that get shown. And um, I've just, I've found it difficult to find people who share my passion for cinema and also for literature. I do have a book podcast um, that I, I will put the link in the description for that if you're interested. And so there's really this void in my life and this lack of communication and discussion about films and so this podcast was created to give me an outlet to share my thoughts and feelings about the films that I watch. I don't have any kind of academic or specialization, specialized knowledge about cinema. Um, I don't make films. I, I don't work in the film industry. I don't have any kind of degree um, with film. Um, I'm really just a self-taught person. I'm just your sort of everyday cinephile, I guess. And I'm learning through the films that I watch and the films that I fall in love with. So um, to new listeners, I welcome you. I hope you find something worthwhile in this podcast. And to my recurring listeners, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And so today, I'm going to talk about the Apu Trilogy by Indian director Sachajit Ray. And this is a really important trilogy to me that I just finished last night. And I really need to share my thoughts and feelings about this trilogy. Because it truly was a journey. And it was... It's just something that I will never forget. And I've become like really obsessed with Sachajit Ray's films now. And so... He's, he's really become an important director for me. But first of all, I want to I wanna just sort of muse for a moment. And, you know, I was thinking after I finished this trilogy last night, I was thinking to myself, why do we watch cinema? Why do we go to cinema? Because think about it. If you're someone that really loves films like I do, I watch a film every day. I mean, literally, every day I'll watch one or two films, I mean, sometimes two, but at least one. Why do I spend at least an hour and a half to two hours every day doing this, looking at the screen, watching these films? With the Apu trilogy, you're talking about almost six hours of film, not counting the interviews that I've watched and the, the documentaries about Ray. I still have more to watch. Why do we go to cinema? This is a big question, and I think everybody will have different answers why they watch films. For, for those of us who love film, this is not just entertainment. 
This is not just, oh, well, I want to laugh or I want to lose myself for two hours. There's something much deeper that's going on when you are a cinephile or you are a, mov a very deep movie lover. And I was thinking to myself last night how to answer this question of why cinema? Why do I watch these films? And I think, for me at least, and I'm not speaking for anybody except myself, I think we go to cinema because we want a reflection of the human condition. We want to see human beings and we want to know their stories and we want to go deeper into life and into the human condition. What it means to be human on this planet at a particular moment in time. And often that moment is very removed from your life. You know, when I'm watching the Apu trilogy, this is, this is decades ago. This is a family in India, many, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away from me in a totally different era of history. And what Ray does is that he speaks very simply and beautifully, but also complexly about the human condition and about humanity. And as, as, as other people have shared this quote before that Akira Kurosawa, he said to not have seen a Ray film is like not having seen the sun or the moon. That's how elemental Ray's cinema is and how essential it is. So I just wanted to start with thinking about that question and maybe it's one that you can ask yourself as well is, you know, think of all the films that you've watched. Those of you who are listening to me may be very heavy cinephiles. I mean, I watched hundreds of films last year. I've already watched over a hundred films this year. So I have literally spent thousands of hours watching movies. Um, why do I do it? Why do I do it? And I do it because it's a connection. It's a connection. There is, there is a sense of connection between me and the filmmaker, me and the story, me and the characters. And that's something that Ray does so beautifully, um, especially with the Apu trilogy, but also with a film like The Big City, is that his characters pull you in and you immediately care about them and you're immediately um, interested in their lives and what's going to happen to them. Because that's what you need with the Apu Trilogy. You need to care about Apu. You need to care about what happens to him over the course of his life. And um, I wish I was more eloquent about this. But I really do think that Ray, more than many directors, there are few directors for me who really just capture the human condition in a really beautiful, poetic, complex, compassionate way. And I think that's what Ray does. I mean, I would say Krzysztof Kieślowski does it. I would say, you know, Ozu does it. I would say maybe Ingmar Bergman does it. Um, 
but Ray in particular. There is a deep, deep humanism to his work. And so when I watch his films, and I don't want to stop, I mean, I'm going to be watching Ray films all week. <laughs> um, even though the Apu trilogy is over, I will continue to explore his work. And he was such a fascinating man and such a prolific filmmaker. I really would call him a genius. I really would, because he was involved in every aspect of his films. He wrote them. He produced them. He directed them. He was involved in the music sometimes. He even designed the posters and the artwork that would accompany his, his films. He was involved in every element of his films, and they seem to truly be expressions of his way of thinking and his ideas and his, you know, I don't think they're autobiographical necessarily, but I do think they express something very elemental about who he was. And I think he was a very beautiful and sensitive soul. I have to learn more about him, though. I would love to read, like, a biography or something. He wrote. He was a writer. He wrote uh, detective stories. Even um, before he was a director, uh, he started in advertising. And he also designed book covers. And, and um, so he's... He's someone who's just incredibly creative, just prodigiously creative, I think. And I've never come, like a renaissance man almost. I have not come across a director like this um, who did so much. He was so diverse in his creative pursuits. He, he even created art and paintings and drawings. So he's just someone who's very deeply creative, I think. And so... I have much to learn about Ray, but I want to talk about the Apu trilogy. It consists of three films. It is Potter Panchali, which was his debut film in 1955. The second film is Aparagito, which was in 1956. And the third film is Aper Sansar, uh, which was in 1959. So in the 1950s, um, he does these three films, this trilogy, and it really is considered a monumental trilogy of world cinema. I'm not sure how many of you listening to this podcast are really knowledgeable about cinema or about, you know, world cinema, the history of cinema, but film buffs and film scholars and film academics consider this trilogy to be absolutely essential in terms of a film education, of of knowing about film and about cinema, and it, so it's a really big deal. This trilogy, it's Ray had many admirers from Akira Kurosawa to uh, Martin Scorsese. Uh, Martin Scorsese has been really influenced by him. So, um, such a jit Ray, Ray is a very very important director, and so. I, it's hard to even talk about this trilogy because it is such a big deal, right? But all I can do is just share my personal emotions and feelings and and what I noticed about these films and why I think they're so important. So we have these three films and they follow Apu. Um, a young uh, Bengali boy growing up in the rural countryside of India in, uh, in Bengal. And so... The first, the first film is Potter Panchali, which I do have a 
episode about, but I'll still talk about it in this one. We, in Potter Panchali, we see Apu as a young boy, as seven, eight, nine, ten, sort of that age. And he has an older sister, Duga. And he has his mother and his father. And they live in a rural area. And this film was quite radical. It was a huge departure from mainstream commercial Indian cinema at the time. Probably even now. At the time, Indian cinema was much more theatrical. It was much more focused on musicals and singing in the films. And here was Ray's film, Potter Panchali, about an everyday family. There is no singing. <laughs> um, it's not theatrical or melodramatic. It is a very stripped down, uh, straightforward story about a young boy coming of age. And um, it explores his relationship with his sister. And this is what I'll also say about this trilogy, is that for me, the thread running through these three films... Potter Panchali, Aparajito, and Apur Sansar. The, the thread running through these three films is Apu's relationship with women. Every film revolves around and is defined by a particular relationship with a woman. In, the, in Potter Panchali, it's his sister Duga. And to some extent his mother. But it's more about him and Duga. In... Aparajito, it's about his relationship with his mother. And in Apur Sansar, the last of the trilogy, in 1959, it's about his relationship with his wife. So every film is defined by Apu's um, connection to a woman and the loss of that woman as well. Because if there's anything that defines this trilogy more than any other theme, I think. It is loss. Apu is a person who goes through tremendous, um, horrific loss, really. In terms of, you can't even comprehend how one person could go through something like this. And, um, but I will say about this trilogy, I think maybe loss is so woven into it. I don't know for sure. You know, I can't prove this. This is just my thought is that you have the partition of India in 1947, where India is split into two countries. There's main India, and then there's Pakistan. And Pakistan becomes uh, sort of where Muslims go to live. Um, you have this very violent partition where it's estimated that millions of people died. Millions more were turned into refugees, were displaced. There was huge amounts of, of violence, but when it comes to these deaths, there is there is grief and mourning. You know, yes, millions died. Millions more were left behind to mourn those deaths. And it was, I would imagine, a very traumatic incident in the history of India. And I'm actually reading, a, I started reading a book about, um, about the partition because... It interests me, and it seems like a very, very important event in Indian history. And I'm trying to learn more about India. Um, I don't know much about it. It's not something that was taught much in our history books here in the United States. 
Um, we learn we learn about Gandhi. That's mainly what we learn about. Uh, if we learn about India at all, so I think it's sort of interesting. And I was telling a friend this the other day that so interesting. And I know I'm going on a tangent. I'll get I'll get back to Apu. Um, so interesting how you watch these films by different foreign directors and these films become like little windows into other cultures and you find yourself really wanting to learn more about other cultures and other countries and um and and you also want to learn more about these countries because it may give you more insight into the director's work as well because every director is a product of of their culture of their country of their experiences within a particular geographical area right and so it's so interesting how world cinema international cinema it really can open you up to the world and to parts of history that maybe you weren't as knowledgeable about like i wasn't as knowledgeable about partition in india but i'm interested in it and i'm i mean thing about india is it's such a daunting country there is over a billion people so there is no way to generalize about this country. You can't generalize about any country. You can't generalize about the United States. We have a very, we have different diverse regions. Where I live in the South has a very particular culture to it. Just as people who live in the Northeast, in New England, have a, have a particular culture. And the Midwest have a particular culture. Um, so you can't generalize about any country, but India in particular, you know, with over a billion people, this is a very diverse country. There's a lot there. There's a lot to learn. Um, but it, but it's very interesting to me and, um, I really hope to learn more. And as I said, I'm reading more about the partition or like certain directors that I really like, like Krzysztof Kieślowski. I'd like to learn more about Poland. I don't know that much about Poland. Or Ingmar Bergman with Sweden. Or Andrei Tarkovsky with Russia. Or, you know, Roberto Rossellini with Italy. So there's, or I, I really love like British literature. I'm a huge fan of Virginia Woolf. That's different from film, but, you know, it makes you want to learn more about the places where these authors or these filmmakers lived and what context they were writing from. So I think, just to me personally, I, I wonder if maybe there's so much loss in the Apu trilogy because India had just suffered immense loss through the partition in 1947. That was a thought that came to me, that maybe Ray had his character go through so much grief because India itself had been through so much loss and and um and had really experienced a tremendous grief on on a historic level that i think most people can't really comprehend i certainly can't i can't comprehend you know millions of people dying the only thing that comes close to it is the holocaust i think in terms of the sheer numbers of people who were killed and the the amount of violence that was inflicted on people um the trauma of that is just immense and enormous and quite unspeakable, I think. 
and um so i don't find it surprising that a poo goes through a great deal of loss and grief and mourning and so in potter panchali um as i said he's growing up in the rural area which was a big deal to show this this everyday ordinary family living in poverty it also shows the poverty that they deal with the father is often traveling he's i think he's a priest and um he's trying to make money for the family but they they do go hungry they show shows scenes of you know duga and apu wanting food and not having any and that's very difficult and um but um but Potter Panchali is just this beautiful film. Um, as I said in the other podcast, it has this amazing scene when the monsoon comes uh, to India and Duga is playing in the rain. And it's a very sensuous scene of her just, you know, sort of throwing her hair about in the rain and you know just soaking it up and she just loves it you can tell and but of course that rain brings about her death and um you know I'm I am going to talk about plot points in in the series so if you haven't seen it then maybe don't listen I don't know but I do want to be able to just talk about the film without worrying about spoilers so um, I'll put that in the description as well, that there are spoilers. But Duca does die in, in Potter Panchali. And it's just this heartbreaking loss for the family. And there's this really, the last scene of the film, because the father's been out traveling. And so he comes home and the mother, she doesn't even know how to tell him that Duca is gone. And he has bought her a sari. He has bought the little girl a sari. And, um, of course, when the mother sees that sari, she breaks down. It's this really, it's this really subtle way that Ray conveys grief. That here is this sari, here is this piece of cloth that she will never wear. And then they both break down. And, and it's this very, it's a very emotional scene. I mean, I myself cried when I watched it. And, um, so Potter Panchali is very much about death and it's very much about loss and, um, and the family is also forced to move. So the family is displaced and they move to a different area, um, after Duca's death. So Aparajito, the second film in the trilogy, is about, um the Apu's family after they move. So they move to a place by the Ganges River. So they're living at the river. And um it's that that film is really about Apu's awakening as a student, uh, as an intellectual. He starts going to school and he really enjoys it and he really excels at it. And there is this sense that because because he is so good at school that he may have a bright future that he may be able to get out of poverty and not live um in such a difficult situation unfortunately in this film early in the film his father dies his father i think gets some kind of fever or, or gets sick in some way and he dies and 
the way that Ray conveys that death is very moving because the father is, is laying and he asks for water and um, Apu and his mother are trying to give the father some water and then all of a sudden Ray cuts to these pigeons or these birds flying in in the in the darkening air it's it's like evening time and the air is very dark and and these these there's just this blast of these birds flying together in unison and and you know the father has died it's this it's this very intense and and dramatic moment and it's a very interesting way that ray conveys that death i think and so there's another death that Apu has to deal with. And so now it's just him and his mother. And this film, and as I, as I said, I mean, this trilogy is about Apu, but it's also about the women in Apu's life. And I felt like Aparajito was much more about Apu's mother. And she was the one that I had sort of the most sympathy for. And I also wanted to say that something that I really love about Ray is that he he portrays women in such a compassionate, complex, deep way. They are not sexualized. They they are not sexual objects the way you may see in some of European cinema and in Western cinema in general where women are defined by their looks and by their bodies. They become props and sexual objects within a narrative. Um, they don't have any kind of autonomy or um, humanity of their own. You know, they're not independent people in a lot of European cinema. Um, there is this tendency to sexualize and objectify women in cinema in general. And you see that all over the world. But with Ray's films, something that I really love, and I think this is why I keep watching, is because he portrays women. And I, I can't overstate this enough. I cannot emphasize this enough. The way he portrays women is so satisfying to me as a woman. that To see women portrayed in that way with a depth, with a humanity, with a complexity. I mean, for it to be the 1950s, this is quite um, impressive. This is very impressive for a man to portray women in this way. And it's just a breath of fresh air for me. And I, I, I find it incre incredibly satisfying when I watch these films. Watch Charulotta, watch The Big City, watch the Apu Trilogy, because women are given autonomy, women's subjectivity, women's point of view is valued. It is seen as important. It is seen as equal and valid. And I really adore that about his films, truly. I can't overstate it enough. If you are looking for films about fleshed out women characters who are not defined by their looks, their looks not defined by their sexual attractiveness such a jet ray is your director i mean really it's something that i really love about his films whether it's the way he portrayed duga you know as she runs through the forest and 
and and he shows her sassiness he shows her confidence he shows her independence but he also shows her struggle and her pain you know with her mother and and the difficulties with that mother-daughter relationship and then in Aparagito, he focuses a lot on the mother on the mother who has endured immense pain she has lost her her daughter she has lost her husband she now goes to work in a family's house i believe she's like a maid i think she takes care takes care of things in the family's home she is left as a single mother to raise apu and she has nobody she doesn't have family she doesn't have friends she's moved to a new place you know they have lived in rural bengal for for a long time and all of a sudden they're living by the ganges river and then i think they move again and when she live when she starts to work in that family's home so she is a woman who is profoundly uh grief-stricken profoundly displaced in her life she is struggling to make ends meet she's struggling to raise apu the best that she can and apu is really all she has this is her main connection in life is her son this is all she has left and she loves him you can tell and so when he wants to go away to school um he wants to go to calcutta uh to study i guess yet yeah, to go to college um and she struggles with that she and you see her struggle with that it, it's like once apu leaves i mean apu is really her reason for living he is what helps her survive and get through each day and he as most teenagers as most people who hit a certain age of 18 19 20 he wants to have an independent life he wants to have an independent identity away from his mother he wants to have his own life but in the process that means leaving his mother behind and there is a price to that there is a consequence for leaving his mother and so instead of staying with her and living with her and helping her he goes to calcutta he goes to study goes to college and she is left alone and she to me she dies at the end of aparagito and i really think she dies of a broken heart i think she dies of loneliness i think she dies of grief i think she dies of oh sorry i'm crying <laughs> like i got so attached to this mother um i think she died of i think there was this emptiness in her after she lost her daughter especially duga and then lost her her father and then to lose apu not physically but she loses him in every other way she loses him physically she loses him emotionally he doesn't write to her very often he doesn't come to visit her very often and i think i think it would have been easy for ray to just focus on apu's viewpoint oh well you know i'm a teenager i'm or whatever i'm 17 or 18 i want my own identity i want my own life and he could have just focused on that you know like that's a totally valid thing to want to want to be independent to want to have your own life but he shows both and that's what's so brilliant about Ray is that with his characters you understand all of them and he does this in the big city too which I have a podcast episode about where uh, 
a housewife, a Bengali housewife, goes into the workforce because her family is struggling to make ends meet. And her husband's parents live with them. And her husband's father, her father-in-law, is very against her going into the workforce. You know, he has very traditional ideas about women. And he doesn't believe that she should go out and work. He isn't violent about it. But he won't talk to her and things like that. But Ray never demonizes him in that film. You know, every character is given their humanity, is given their flaws and their complexities, and given their point of view. And you can see where each, and of course the father-in-law comes around eventually in the film. And in Aparagito, I think it's so important to me that he shows the viewpoint of the mother that he makes her viewpoint valid. For me, at least. I had a lot of sympathy for Apu's mother. I really felt like... I, I kind of resented Apu a little bit for leaving her. Because this is a woman who is alone. Who has nobody. Who is struggling. Who has gone through immense loss. And he was another loss. And I think he was the loss that she could not bear. And her body started to break down from it. And she was starting to get ill and sick. And, you know, grief grief can affect the body. Grief can affect your health. It truly can. Studies have been shown that people who go through grief sometimes live, um, live less. That it can take years off your life or time off your life. And, and, um... I don't know if I liked Apu as much in in this film because I my sympathies were more with the mother that you know here she is she's raised him um she's alone and he just leaves her and he neglects her in many ways because he wants to have his own independent life which I understand so it's valid both are valid in a way but I did hurt for her I really did hurt for her, and I guess I saw myself in her because I've been through a lot of grief and loss in my life. When I was 16, my father died. Um, that was in 2006. When I was 17, my grandmother died. Uh, when I was 18 or 19, my uncle died. And so within three years, I attended three funerals of my family members. By the time I was 20 years old, I had lost three really really you know people who had been in my life my entire life they had always been there especially i mean the most catastrophic loss was my father but of course my mother was suffered on a totally different level because that was her husband that was her mother and that was her brother and so in a way i see my mother in apu's mother that she lost her child she lost her husband um And what that did to her, it had an, um, it had a profound impact on my mother and it had a profound impact on Apu's mother. And I just think sometimes you go through loss and, you're never the same again. There's less of you. And I sensed that with Apu's mother that. After losing her daughter and losing her husband, 
that I think she lost something inside of her. There are these amazing scenes throughout the film um, of these close-ups of her face, of the actress's face. Um, and her face just says everything. You can see the weariness. You can see the sorrow. You can see the grief. You can see the loneliness in her. And um, it's really, it's heartbreaking, but it's very resonant. And it's it's something that I feel very deeply in myself. And I don't know, I don't know how to talk about it really, but when she died in the end, I could understand it. And I think I sort of saw it coming. And I wonder sometimes with the grief, if it's not like just a really slow death. That it, it, when that person dies, you start to die. You know, it's this dying, this process of dying begins within yourself. And it may take years. You know, you may stay alive for another 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, it's been 11 years since my father died. And yet, I often feel like I am slowly dying from it. From the grief and from the pain. Because, and I was thinking recently, and I know I'm going on a tangent here. But this is my podcast, and so I can do what I want. I was thinking just the other day how, like, why... Why do I talk about his death so much? I bring it up. I've brought it up in almost every every episode of this podcast. I've, I've brought it up many times. And I bring it up all the time. I have a blog about it. I mean, I have a blog about grief where I, I write about a lot of this. I haven't written that much lately on it. I always, But every day I write about grief. I'll write something. I, I'll have to. And I just think, why? Like, why... Other people go through this, right? You know, other people lose their fathers. They lose their mothers. And of course, I feel a lot of shame about not being able to deal with it and not being able to be strong and resilient. And I just think, other people go through this, right? Like, this is part of the human condition. This is what Ray was showing that death is part of the human condition and loss is part of the human condition. This happens to all of us. We lose people we love. But why does it hit some of us in different ways? Why can some of us be fine and be okay? And then some of us are me. (laughs) Who like for 11 years I've just... I can't get it together. I can't be okay with it. I can't accept it. It's like, why am I like this? (laughs) Why am I like this? I think it's because this is what I was thinking the other day I think it's because when 
I was a really lonely child. And I'm still a lonely person. I gotta get myself together. I can't talk. <laughs> this film, this series, this trilogy just hit me to my to my bones, you know. This is when you know a director is truly great <laughs> when they just do this to you. Um I was a lonely, lonely child. Um I didn't have friends. I'm still a very lonely person. I probably always will be. Um, as a kid, I was really sensitive. And I loved books. And I loved to learn. And I loved literature and poetry. And I wrote. And I was dreamy and sensitive. And um, I was different. And I really found it difficult to connect with people. And so I was just really alone my whole life. I wasn't pretty. Nobody saw me. I was invisible and ugly. And I still am. And um, I was nobody. And I didn't have much family who cared about me. Um... So I didn't have this huge support network. I still don't. I don't have a support system of people. Um, you know, I didn't have this huge family that loved me and cared about me. I didn't have a bunch of friends at school. Like I said, I was just nobody. Still am. <laughs> and um, what I did have was my parents. I had my mom and my dad. They were my world. And we were really close. And my dad was my best friend. We spent a lot of time together. And um, he loved me unconditionally. He loved me for who I was. And he listened to me. He saw me. He truly saw me and cared about me as a person. And so when he died, my world died. He wasn't just a father to me. Because, you know, a lot of people have their parents, and then they have this other life separate from their parents. They have friends, or they have lovers, or they have a spouse, or they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They have a separate life. They have a separate identity from their parents. I did not have that. My whole life was my parents. Those were my soulmates. The loves of my life. I adored him. I adored everything about him. I 
that I watched him suffer. And it tore me apart. It tore me apart to watch that beautiful man suffer. And to see him die. And to see his corpse. It was inconceivable that it could even happen. And it did. The unimaginable happened. And it absolutely blew me apart. It absolutely shattered me down to the smallest bits. I can't even put those bits together again. I am so gone. The, the pain of it. And so, when I see a Pooh's mother, I understand a little tiny bit of what that was and what that felt like. And I, when I saw her and when I see her face and I see that pain and that grief and that's what that actress was able to do. Because I know she's not real. This, I mean, that's what's crazy about films. These people are not real. <laughs> they embody something. They represent something. And I think... I don't know, I think she died of grief. I mean, now that I think about it more, and now that I'm talking about it, it's like, I think she died of grief. I think she absolutely was just shattered. I think she really was. But she kept going, and she kept going because she had a poo, and she had to take care of a poo. And so she just kept going. And, <laughs> and then when he was gone, and she didn't even have him anymore, I don't think she could live with it. I don't think she could keep going. The emptiness of her life and the loneliness. I mean, maybe I'm projecting onto her. I don't know, but that character I just really connected to. And I had a lot of sympathy and a lot of compassion for her because she had gone through unimaginable loss, losing her husband and her daughter. And, um, yeah, as you can tell, it really moved me. It's like, gosh, I feel like I'm having a breakdown while I do this podcast, but these are things that I need to say. This is why I do this podcast, because I'm working through this film as I talk about it. Like, oh man, I just really, really cried. <laughs> like, gosh, I just feel the pain. I feel the pain of Apu's mother and as I said I do wonder I do wonder if this was connected to partition in some way to try to to try to touch some of that historic trauma of people dying and losing people and what that did to to the nation I wonder I I can't be sure or anything um I just find it very interesting that this trilogy has so much loss in it and so much grief. Um, 
I think it's worth talking about, you know. And, um, so a pair of Gino gets to me, as you can tell. Um, but a poo in a perigito, he's a very promising student, and you can see that he's starting to become interested in literature and writing. And so, um, a poor sensor, the third film in the trilogy in 1959, um, that is about a poo being a writer and an intellectual. But he still lives in, in poverty. We see him living alone. It's my dog barking. I apologize. Um, we see him living in poverty. And he's sort of struggling to find a job. Um, I think he does have a degree or something from a college. Um, but he's just sort of struggling to find employment. And um, he goes with his friend to a wedding. And the wedding doesn't go as planned. And the groom is, like, crazy. Like, the groom, like, loses his mind or something. And so, um, this would cause great shame to the family if the daughter is not able to marry. And so they ask Apu to marry her. <laughs> and, um, Apu... He wants to do a noble thing, and he wants to help, and so he agrees to marry this woman that he's never met, and he knows nothing about, and um, he has no way to take care of her. He's living in this, like, little room um, in Calcutta, and uh, he really does not have the resources to take on a wife, but he does. He marries her, and she goes to live with him in Calcutta in his little apartment, and this film is really about love and marriage. And I was a little bit reminded of La Delante, which is by Jean Vigo, and it's a French film from 1934, about this woman that marries a man. She's from the country, and he works on a barge, and she goes to live with him on his barge. And it's not exactly the most exciting or glamorous life. And um, they they love each other, but she... Um, she leaves him for a little while to go hang out in Paris. <laughs> she's she's from the country and she's very interested in Paris and she runs off. And of course he misses her. And um, I'm not going to go into the whole plot of Latalant. But um, it's a very, very uh, important film in French cinema, world cinema by Jean Vigo. And I was sort of reminded of that film when I saw Apersensar. Because it's about newlyweds. And it's about... Um, Sort of the dream versus the reality. Like when you first fall in love with someone. And you first get married. And you have these stars in your eyes. And all these dreams. And then and then the reality sets in. And that's what happens with um, Aparna. Which is his bride and, and his wife. Um, she sees his apartment in Calcutta. And she like cries. <laughs> Um, she's used to a more sort of life of luxury and having every every need met. And now she's sort of living in poverty, which she's not used to. And she really struggles with it at first, but she adapts. And 
over time they actually fall in love and they actually start to really love each other. And I think for the first time you really see Apu opening his heart to someone. Because if you think about it, Apu has been through a lot of loss. He has lost his mother, he's lost his father, and he's lost his sister by the time he's in his 20s. And he's still pretty young. And I think it's really hard for him to love. He's he's a very lonely person. He's very alone in the world. And um, he opens his heart to, to Aparna. And um, they really start to fall in love with each other. And they really care about each other. And it's beautiful. It's sort of this beautiful depiction of married life and love. And even though they don't have a lot, she... Um, He's tutoring a student after work each day. And he's like, well, I'm going to hire a maid for you. So I'll start tutoring more students. And and she's like, well, I would rather you just give up the student that you're tutoring now so that you can come home early and I can be with you. And I thought that was like the sweetest thing. Like she wants to spend more time with him. She doesn't care about the money as much. She just wants to be with him and spend time with him. And there's this really cute scene where they're eating one night and, um, and I guess it's really hot. And so, uh, while he eats, she fans him with like a fan, with like a, a handheld fan, I guess you could say. And then while she's eating, he holds the fan and fans her. And that's something else that's a really amazing part of such a Jet Ray's films. Um, you saw this in the big city as well. He depicts marriage between men and women with compassion, with love, with um, trying to show that men and women can live together with a sense of equality and a sense of partnership and companionship and they can support each other and they can love each other. And his depictions of marriage that I have seen, especially with Apersansar and then with the big city shows that it shows um, the tenderness of marriage the love of marriage the way two people can genuinely care about each other and support each other doesn't mean everything's easy they may still have financial worries financial difficulties but they can still um, they can still have a harmonious uh, nourishing relationship it's not toxic it's not violent it's not ugly it's it's an equal partnership and I really liked that about Apersansar but unfortunately in in this film um, the happiness does not last very long it's very short-lived and she goes to her parents she's pregnant and she goes to live with them for a little while uh, and she gives birth um, to their child and she dies in childbirth and so this woman that Apu had opened his heart to for the first time and who had really been the only family he ever had since his parents and his sister and she's gone too and he absolutely breaks down and he's not able to to deal with it at all and he actually just leaves Calcutta and he sort of goes and wanders about. Um, he's very broken by it. 
and he's very devastated by her death. Um, and he, he does not go to see his child. Um, I think the name is Kajal. That's what they named the little boy. And so the grandparents end up raising the little boy, um, for like five years. He sends money every now and then, but he cannot go see the child. And I think there's two reasons for that. And one, he explicitly states to a friend, he says, you know, the, that child is alive because my wife is not that it's hard to see it's hard to see the child because the child is a reminder of the death of the mother and that if she had not become pregnant if she had not had the child she would still be alive so the child is a, is a reminder of her death and the cause of her death to a certain extent and I think the implicit or the unstated um, other reason why he doesn't go to see the child, and I was talking to a friend about this as well, and they agreed, was that um, he can't love. He can't let himself love someone else when he has already lost everybody that he loves. He's lost his mother, his father, his sister, and his wife. And he he doesn't know how to open himself up to people again or to get attached or connected to another person for fear that they will die and that he will lose them. And I think that's part of his fear as well and why he stays away from his child for so long is because how do you open up to people? How do you love people when you can lose them? And... um I think that can be a really unfortunate effect of going through a lot of loss. I know that I myself, having lost my father, my grandmother, my uncle, all before I was 20 years old, I think when you experience so much loss at an early age, it definitely makes it hard to trust people and it makes it hard to connect with people. I know it does for me. But that's not just because I've lost people. It's because after I lost people, instead of getting like compassion and sympathy, a lot of people that I knew, like in my family, just were terrible. It really brought out the worst in people. I don't have any contact with my father's family because they were so ugly towards us. It was a very dysfunctional, toxic situation. And so I've cut off all communication with my father's side of the family because of how hateful and ugly and vicious they were towards me and my mother. And then my mother's family, um, she had some people in her family who were quite intolerable and quite vicious and... um it really brought out the worst in people. I I lost my father, but I also lost my faith in people and my faith in humanity. I will be honest about that. I do not trust people. I do not get close to people. Because time and time and time again, they have turned. And I had several people abandon me. People who I thought were friends and that I could trust to were nothing like that and so 
I really just, I don't have a good relationship with people and I really don't trust people very much anymore. And my mom doesn't either. Me and my mom are just, we're very close. Um, we have really only had one another through the things that we've been through and we have leaned on each other and we've been through a lot together. We've been through a lot of loss, a lot of poverty, a lot of economic struggle, um, we've really been through hell and we don't know when it will end <laughs> sometimes it just ever since my father died it just feels like 11 years of hell sometimes there are good moments you know but it's just it life just constantly grinds us down and and wears away at us and we really only have each other we really don't have other people and so i think when you go through a lot of loss it can it can really destroy your faith in humanity. Um, and it can make you close yourself off to people. And um, Because you have to protect yourself. You do. In order to survive certain types of trauma and certain types of immense pain, you have to protect yourself. And I am a big believer that if somebody is in your life and they are not loving and they are not nurturing or nourishing you, if they are only causing pain and drama and toxicity, you have every right to disconnect yourself from that person in that situation. Just because they're family, you know, this whole idea of the blood is thicker than water, I don't believe in that personally. I believe that you need to take care of yourself. And if you are in a toxic environment or in a toxic uh, relationship, with someone whether they be family or friends you have got to disconnect from that you have to if you want to stay alive and survive and um i've had to do that at times i really have but i totally understand apu's um unwillingness to really get invested in another person when that person could die i mean it's a different situation with a child you know obviously your child's not going to abandon you or hurt you um the way maybe like a grown family member would like is what I went through but um but um I can see why he wanders around and he just kind of avoids it and he needs to be alone and um but he eventually does go to see his son and and apercents are it ends on a hopeful note, on on an optimistic note, where we see Apu uh, with his son on his shoulders, and um, the two of them are walking, are, are together, and you have this sense that they will have a life together, and that he will raise him somehow, and maybe they'll have a good relationship. Sort of a similar ending with the big city. The big city has a really hopeful ending. At the end of the film, the husband and wife um, are both jobless and unemployed. And yet the wife says, well, it's th this big city, there, there are enough jobs for all of us. We'll find something. We'll find some kind of job, you know. And they have this sense of idealism. And then they sort of melt into the crowd of Calcutta. I think it takes place in Calcutta. And it's sort of the same thing with Apersansar, that you get this sense that even though Apu has been through tremendous amounts of trauma and loss and grief and pain, that he will continue, he will endure, 
um, he will take care of his um, son and they'll have a relationship together and all will you know come together somehow right so I think you see such a Jit Ray sort of um, his idealism at the end of the trilogy I don't know if he held on to that idealism his whole life but it seems to be there in the trilogy that note of hope at the end you know <clears throat> but it's it's such a great trilogy and um, I'm really glad, glad that I watched it. It was interesting. I watched a documentary or small little feature about um, the efforts to save and preserve this trilogy on the part of the Criterion Collection. The Criterion Collection is a pretty prestigious film distribution company and um, I actually watched the Apu trilogy through the Criterion Collection. They have um, a partnership with Turner Classic Movies, with the film site Filmstruck, filmstruck.com, and that's a streaming site uh, where many, many of the Criterion Collection films are now streaming. And so with a monthly subscription, you can have access to much of the Criterion Collection. And they did an amazing, heroic job of preserving and um, restoring the Apu trilogy. The negatives for the films were actually housed in Britain in a place that experienced a really brutal fire and so some of the negatives were like melted and the Criterion Collection went through this vast process of saving that uh, that film. They sent it to this lab in Italy that does that stuff and they went through and, and they preserved it and they restored it um, and so thanks to them, we have the Apu Trilogy in a really great edition and really great quality. And so they do tremendous work. And um, I think they said it was like the most involved restoration they'd ever done or the most expensive. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'll share the video in the description for you to watch. So we are very lucky to have this trilogy. Um... I'm not sure how it was accepted in, in India. I know that it was very popular at the time in Europe and Britain and places outside of India. And, you know, Sachajit Ray was rightfully recognized as a major director and a very important director. And as I told you before, he's influenced quite a few directors from Akira Kurosawa to Martin Scorsese and beyond. So he's a very important director. And, um... And I, I have watched a few documentaries about Ray, and and there was this one. He he was very popular in India, though. I mean, I do think his films did well in India, and many people in India regard him as as a very iconic and important director. And there was this great footage of him just walking through the streets, and all these schoolboys just amassed around him, and they wanted his autograph, and they were following him, and they were mobbing him. And he said that he said in the interview that that happened to him all the time, that no matter where he goes, you know, people will recognize him and like young boys will just mob him and want his autograph. And I just thought that was so cute and adorable. Um, yeah, I'm trying to like watch interviews and watch documentaries about Ray and just a prodigiously talented person, I think. So creative, such a genius. And really had his 
his finger on the pulse, I think, of the times and and um but so varied. I mean he has a vast catalogue of films, a vast body of work. I've only seen six of his films so far. Um The Stranger, um, Charulata, The Big City, and then the Apu trilogy of Potter Panchali, Aparagito, and Apersensar. So I've seen six of his films. I think I'm going to watch The Music Room next and Goddess and maybe explore some of his work in the 1980s before he died. He did receive an honorary Oscar in 1989, a few years before his death. And he was it was presented to him by Audrey Hepburn. And um, if anybody deserved an honorary Oscar, it's such a jet ray for sure. Um, so I'm really, really glad that he got to have that honor at the end of his life. And... Um, such a such a fascinating man, such a multifaceted, multidimensional man, sensitive, beautiful. He has this gorgeous voice, like deep baritone. It reminded me of George Saunders. If you've seen George, if you've heard George Saunders' voice, um, the the actor, you know, from Hollywood. He was in uh, Journey to Italy with Ingrid Bergman. Um, he really has his voice like this very deep, beautiful baritone voice. Um, such an interesting man, and, I mean, he made a film every year almost. I mean, he was so prolific, and just, it's, he seemed to just be working nonstop all the time on his films, uh, and, um, he really created a body of work, but especially with the Apu trilogy, he really created work that, as I said before, really speaks to the human condition, and, and created characters and stories that, you could really connect to and that you cared about and that you cared about the characters and their lives and their struggles and and um these it's a these are stories that you won't forget and with the apu trilogy it's just unforgettable you you over the course of these three films you watch a man through every stage of his life from a child to a young adult to a man you know, in his 20s, trying to find himself, trying to find his voice as a writer, um, coming to terms with loss, coming to terms with losing his entire family, and being on his own, and being alone, and now having to raise his son on his own, and you don't know what's going to happen to them. You don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it ends on a hopeful note, but you know, something could happen to the little boy at some point. You know, you don't know. You don't know what could happen to Apu. Um, but, wow. It was such an honor to watch this trilogy. And I feel really um, grateful that Criterion Collection made it available. And that it was on Filmstruck. And um, so I would definitely recommend that you seek it out. That you seek out the Apu trilogy and... And any of the films by Ray that I've mentioned, like Charulotta or The Big City, I would maybe start with The Big City. I, I really, that was the film by Ray that really pulled me in. And maybe if you're not ready for a trilogy yet, because I know that can be, that can be a big, it take a lot of time that you may not have. You may not have the time or the concentration or the energy to go through an entire trilogy of three films that are almost two hours each. So if you're interested in Ray and you want to know where to start, 
all I can tell you is where I started, which was the big city. And that was, that was the one where I really got a feeling of, there's something special about this director. And I like the way he's portraying women. And I like the way he's portraying the working class. And I like the way he's looking at marriage and love and people, the connections and relationships between people and families. And yeah, that was the big city for me. And so I would tell you to start there and maybe then do Charulata. And, um, and when, when you're ready, do the Apu trilogy if you can. <coughs> My voice is wearing out. <laughs> So I'm going to have to stop, but, um, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Um, until next time, keep watching movies and, um, yeah, I'll, thanks again for listening and giving your time to me. I really do appreciate it. Bye for now.